0: You, know, you kind of need to reach a point where, okay, this experiment's not working. Let's open up the feedback loop. You know, I can book five people on ADP list right now in one or two weeks, have 30 minute session with each of them, get their honest feedback. Now let's act on that feedback and let's experiment again. Let's apply with that new resume, that new case study. You know, you, just, you have to have those feedback loops and iterate
1: Hello, everyone. In this episode, I'm talking to Mitch Clements, who is a mentor, speaker, and UX manager at a company called SimpleNexus. He shares his career journey and switching from an Android engineer to UX design. Uh, He also talks about what a personal brand means for an employee at a company and how you can influence change in a company. Also, we discuss different networking tips uh, by helping design communities and a bunch of actionable job search advice and much more. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome, Mitch. Welcome. Uh, long time no chat, and I'm glad that you joined me on this uh, on this episode.
0: Yeah, thank you for inviting me.
1: Yeah, so I have uh, quite a few uh, points of discuss- for discussion today, and uh, I w- looking at your profile and uh, looking at all your activity around the ux career advice and uh, strategy and all your contributions to the ux community even outside of your day job and all your entrepreneurial activities and like almost like a separate path mm-hmm. uh mentorship so you have quite a quite a rich profile uh and uh, i can i can clearly see that you're passionate about contributing and giving back to the community and uh this is like a perfect match i think like uh, you you'll have a lot of things to share a lot of valuable things to share with the audience. So I'm really glad that you decided to join.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to share what I can and hopefully it'll be helpful to those listening out there.
1: Yes, awesome. Let's start with, the, uh, as usual, with uh, your, your path, your story. Uh, how did it start? Uh, what were the key, maybe pivoting moments or it was like all smooth uh, sailing? And where are you at today?
0: Yeah, so I, I never thought I was going to be a designer. Uh, my background is actually in computer science, and growing up i you know I was always fascinated by computers and software and the different possibilities of technology, but I never really knew what I wanted to be and so once I started attending college at the university i I had no idea of what I was going to do, but my parents kind of nudged me to take some computer science classes and so I did, and from that point on, I thought I was going to be a software developer, a computer engineer, and so that was kind of where my um, education, professional education and career started. Um, I eventually became an Android developer, Um, but while I was learning software development, that's when I first heard this term called user experience. And I was super fascinated by it. And I just thought, wow, if I could do that for a living, that would be like the best career ever. Um, And I was taking a user experience um, class from one of my professors at the university. And obviously, it was very oriented towards developers and software. Um, Didn't really have the design aspect. But I, I just remember thinking, wow, this is amazing. But I didn't realize it was a career. I didn't know any UX designers. I thought it was just something that the front end engineers did. Like they should take into account usability and take into account making good looking software. And so I ended up doing an internship as an Android developer at a small little startup, but there was a user experience designer there and I was blown away. Cause I was like, wait, this is a full-time job you can do. And so. As an intern, I worked really hard to get my coding work done for the day. So then I could volunteer and help out this UX designer with their work, because I wanted to learn more. I wanted to better understand this process. And by the end of my internship, I was actually doing more user experience design work than actual coding. Um, and you know, it's a small startup environment where everyone's kind of wearing multiple hats. And so eventually, um, I was offered a full-time position as a software developer, but I countered the offer and asked for a full-time position as a UX designer. Oh, that's And bad. I was terrified. <laughs> yeah. I you know, I was nervous because you know, you look at the industry stats, you know, software developers typically have more stable careers, higher salaries. Like I'd just been given an offer for that. And but I just knew I was way more passionate about understanding the end users and building the right solutions for them. And so fortunately they accepted my counter offer and that kind of initiated my path as a user experience designer. And I'll say it hasn't been, you know, completely smooth sailing. Cause I actually at one point became a product manager and then went back to UX design. So, I've kind of dabbled everywhere from software development to product management to UX design.
1: yeah, it's like one of, you're one of those uh unicorns that that <laughs> keep, keep hearing about
0: <laughs> yeah I, I still don't know what unicorn means, but uh, I guess maybe that's one definition, but, but yeah, it's been it's been a roller coaster of a ride <laughs> interesting. so uh and what do you do today? So yeah, today I'm a user experience manager. So I manage a team of user experience designers who do both the design and the research. And I'm I'm happy where I'm at. It's kind of my home. I just love being embedded with the UX design team and working together with leadership to prioritize
1: the needs of our users. While on this topic, maybe you can share what what was your... From your journey, what, what were the main, I guess, difference difference in the skills that are required to transition from a designer to management? Because usually, like, it depends on the company and the size and like the structure. Sometimes it's like a mix. Sometimes it's it's more like the people management. So, like, from your experience, what what did it take to 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 make this transition happen?
0: Yeah. yeah. One of the things I quickly learned is there's just so much, so many opportunities and pain points not being addressed in many companies, in many um, places where you work. And so as a senior user experience designer, I was just proactively doing things I wasn't being asked to do. Things like helping build a design system, helping build a research repository, helping create our product vision and strategy, volunteering to set up um, you know, our data analytics and metrics. I was just constantly kind of proactively putting myself out there to help with a lot of these needs that weren't being met. A lot of these operation roles, building alliances with other departments. And that really kind of just you know, being proactive, not waiting to be asked to do something, but just identifying a need and then taking initiative, creating a strategy and plan of how we're going to address that. Um, that really helped build my ability to influence as well as lead. And I think management, there's kind of two major parts in my head. One part is people management. So those relationships and skills and coaching and developing others. But another part's also being a leader inspiring others, um, leading and helping others to just see the path forward. And so a lot of just those proactive efforts really helped me gain those leadership skills. And then on the side, I was also volunteering as a mentor to mentor designers. And so I was proactively building those people skills as well and coaching others and helping other UX designers.
1: That's uh, that's actually a really good advice. And uh, I heard it even like for, for transitioning from junior to senior or like the intermediate to senior, like kind of basically go- going to the next step. It's really not to wait until somebody gives you the tasks and the responsibilities that are at the next level, but seeking them out because especially for a designer, right? Like usually you would expect a designer has at least an eye for observing and identifying problems around them. Uh, even if it's like customer problems or business problems or process problems, there is a gazillion of problems, right? So there's another question about prioritizing and choosing the right ones. But it's it's really kind of taking this initiative. And um, uh, at Amazon, there is like this, um, one of the principles that they have is bias for action. So it's really kind of, you don't spend weeks, months trying to figure something out, like kind of trying to get everybody on board, just like go and do it. And this is yeah. almost like your first step towards building this obviously multi-step process to get noticed and to almost like advertise or market yourself as the person who can do those things at the next level, at the next step. So it's very similar to um yeah, I think like it's 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 universal and like this particular advice can be applied to growing uh, in a career, even if it's not just management track that you choose to go to.
0: Yeah, I, I think a huge part of that is building your personal brand. And when I say personal brand, I'm not necessarily referring to how others might interpret a brand, like having a logo and having, you know, your social media profile. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> but when I refer to personal brand, especially internally at a company, it's you know how do others perceive you? What would people in related disciplines say about you? What would the CEO say about you? What would other managers and leaders, you know, developers, product managers, you know, what would they say about you? How do they perceive you, those that have worked directly with you, and maybe those who you haven't worked directly with, but they see the impact of your actions, the impact of what you're doing. And, you know, if you're being perceived as being reliable, being perceived as, you know, getting things done, going above and beyond, that really just helps you progress in your career. Because by the time you're wanting to make that, you know, transition from junior to senior, senior to manager, you know, people already see you as a dependable person. They see you already doing the responsibilities of that role. And then it's just a natural transition or promotion.
1: Yeah. It's almost like they already see you as that person before you officially become that person. So it's really kind of yeah, uh, yeah. Don't wait until your title changes. After, like uh, on the paper, uh, just start acting like like you're already there. And yeah, I think it's an amazing advice. Speaking of mentorship, because uh, as you said, it was an, a very important part of you, of your path and growing as a as a people leader, and also kind of really, yeah, helping people grow. So, I saw that you are active on the ADP list, right? As a mentor?
0: Yeah, I volunteered on there.
1: Yeah. So, and then you also have another, act, like, looks like active role um, front conference and workshop events. So, it looks like that you have several different community engagements going in parallel, right? Yeah. So maybe you can elaborate a bit more. So first of all, why are you trying to do so many things? Because I've seen that many people just go like, choose one platform and just stick with it. But it looks like that you go for for variety, for diversity. Why is that?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Honestly, I'm always just open to experimenting, to discovering opportunities. And, you know, I've tried so many different communities um, right now. I'm, I'm technically part of like 20 different Slack channels, all centered around user experience design and, and product management. And, you know, I, I'm only active in two or three of them, but you know, I have those 20 because I just wanted to find like every community out there and see what is that community like? Is it a place that helps build me? Is it a place where I can help build others? And I've really just kind of experimented and found the communities that I've really valued the most. And naturally, I have just wanted to participate in them because they've given me so much and I want to give back. And so as a result of that, um, yeah, I I've, I've volunteer in a lot of different capacities. Um, some of those you mentioned on ADP List, um, the Front Product Case Study Conference is one of my favorite conferences in the design and product community, um, also community and part of Product Hive, where I help run their mentorship program. Originally, I, I joined that program as a mentee, and then I found a lot of value in it. And then I realized they were really in need of help of organizing this program, and launching these mentorship cohorts. And one of the things I quickly realized is, you know, you don't have to be a manager or senior designer to go out there and volunteer participating communities um, and they're always looking for help. They're always looking for volunteers. And it is often just as simple as saying, Hey, I'm willing to help out. And then before you know it, you, you end up in a leadership position where, um, you're giving back to the community, but you're also learning and growing. And that's been a huge part of my career growth and development. Because once again, I don't think there's any single path into UX design. Most universities don't have a user experience design degree either. There's not just one path. And so throughout my career, I've just been creating my own path, my own curriculum, um, and joining these communities and networking.
1: That's, uh, yeah. Um, interesting point about maybe that speaks of your personality. And it also ties back to like your your first comment about the uh, counter offer, <laughs> 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 almost like forcing the company to give you the the job that you needed or you felt that you needed at the time. Uh, which I'll have a couple of questions after that. Yeah, uh, but I think it speaks of like basically your. It feels like that you are more strategic and really more thoughtful about and uh, more intentional about uh, choosing where to spend your time and what to like. It's it's almost like maybe at the time when you make the decision it's not as obvious and you just kind of say yes to everything that that seems <laughs> mildly interesting uh but l- looking backwards it's almost like that Steve Jobs comment about um uh, that he gave at uh, the Stanford uh, speech uh the comment about looking back backwards how dots connect like all the decisions mm-hmm. that you make they almost like lead you down a almost like predetermined path um that um, you don't even see, you, you cannot really observe or or comprehend at the moment when you make that decision or that decision or that decision, but it all plays out nicely then. Looking at kind of all your activity, it's definitely very aligned with with what maybe maybe early signals that you um, you showed at the beginning of your career, even like when you were just transitioning from the from engineering um very, very interesting path so a uh, question on the product hype versus adp list so looking the obviously social media and all this internet hype um so adp list has uh has grown significantly since the beginning of covid i think this is like their their main um trigger tr- trigger time w- w- was uh, around 2020 as far as i recall yeah so and Maybe the vast majority of people I speak with, they would refer to ADP List as the place to go and find mentor for a designer. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's like the whole value proposition there is about uh, making mentorship uh, accessible to everyone. Something like this, right? So, how and because you know both organizations, and there are some other ones that are also offering the similar service or similar value. Uh, who? What kind of person, what kind of designer would benefit from Product Hive more versus from ADP List more? Like uh, if I were to choose a mentorship pro- platform, where would you recommend me to go?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And they both definitely have kind mm-hmm. of their different strengths.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, one of the great things about ADP lists is, yeah, it's a very massive network. It's global. Anyone from anywhere can go on there and you can book a one-on-one conversation with you know, just about any designer around the world, it, it really is incredible what they've done there. Um, that being said, ADP lists, um, it's more set up as just having kind of one-off conversations mm. with other designers. Um, what we're doing with the Product Hive Mentorship Program is we do what's called a cohort, where we pair a mentee and a mentor together for a period of time typically three months, and we expect them to work together and meet um, every week during that three-month period. So it's kind of more of a long-term mentorship. I mean, (laughs) I say long-term, three months really isn't that long, but, you know, compared to ADP lists where, um, you know, you sign up for this one-off conversation, but then there's not really a guarantee that you're going to be following up with that mentor for an extended period of time. And so that's kind of one of the major differences of um, Mm -hmm. those two different mentorship programs. And, you know, both have their benefits, both have their cons Uh, with product hive, you know, it's not necessarily global. It's definitely, um, it's much more of a local community at least when it originally started, it was just in Utah in the United States, just a small local group. Um, Since then it's kind of gone to cover Um, most of the United States, and as well as a few I see participants from other countries, but it has just a very small, tight-knit community in the Slack, Um, majority people based in Utah. And so you get kind of more of a personal connection, personal relationships, a small tight-knit community. And I I value having both. I really value having local communities I can be part of that are tight-knit but then there's also just a lot of power in the ADP list model of, you know, how it is accessible for anyone around the world. And so, I mean, ultimately I, I just recommend to people just experiment, try things out and learn what works best for
1: you. Yeah. I think that's a good, uh, concluding advice. Yeah, exactly. Like it's really hard to, to give one advice that works for everyone the same way. Uh, about everything it always it depends right so and also like in this case it kind of it depends like which which platform should i choose it depends uh are you looking for global or like you're you're, you're located or live uh, somewhere like in for example asian part of the world
0: mm-hmm. then
1: probably atp list would make more sense and so on so it's definitely yeah i think it's a good advice uh and uh, is it free the 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 product type
0: Yeah, it's completely free. It's all volunteer-based. And that's kind of part of the community's goals and values is to keep it free, to keep it accessible and to give back to the community. So we really do value that.
1: So even more uh, points to trying it out and experimenting and seeing what works for your personality, for your potential even stage in the career too, right? So it's, um, yeah, try it out. It won't hurt. Uh, one more question I had for you about your entrepreneurial adventures. And um, it looks like that you were a founder uh, for a mobile app uh, some time ago. Can you elaborate a bit more on that? And why and Why did you stop playing with this kind of uh, career track? Yeah,
0: that was kind of actually back um, earlier in my career when I was primarily an Android developer, And really the purpose of that mobile app was to build my portfolio. It was less of a monetary gain and more just a, you know, I'm learning these skills, let's go apply them. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of mutually applying my Android developer skills together with the UX design skills that I was learning. And so I, I went out and I published a mobile app and I had a user base and great, yeah, at one point you ranked number 2 in the Google Play Store in the lifestyle category for one month which totally caught me off guard. I you know, I was never expecting or planning that. Mm-hmm. Um that really became a strong selling point on my resume as an early career um developer, early career designer and yeah, that was kind of just the primary goal of that app is you know, I have I've learned these skills. Let's go apply them in action, and then I can demonstrate that to a potential employer. And that was ultimately how I landed that internship as an Android developer. Was, you know, I I didn't have much of my resume or portfolio. I didn't even have a portfolio, but I said, hey, well, look at this app I made, and I just show the recruiters that, and they were blown away, and that's what got my foot in the door, and so. Amazing. Um you know, as, as someone who didn't have any formal experience, and you know, I just went out and created my own experience so I could use that to get the roles I wanted and start building the career I wanted.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Again, it shows bias for action <laughs> in action, <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> um, and I think it it's it's actually one of the great benefits of being in the tech world in the tech profession, right? Engineering, design, I think as well. When you can, and actually, I remember thinking about the same way. How can I really prove to potential recruiters, employers that I can do this job without having previous job title like this, right? So, and uh, I also started with some side projects that I designed and sometimes even, like, coded, like, even before UX. And uh, it definitely helps. First of all, it helps you to to think through a more holistic Uh, mindset i guess about uh, approaching a problem and even like product management some product management uh, tasks engineering if you're also into that but also uh, for designers right now with um, the new trend of uh, no code movement Mm -hmm. and no code tools yeah nothing stops you from really designing everything like following the proper user-centered design process uh, like some kind of side project or even like an idea that you, m- you may be a user of, right? Which is ideal. Uh, and then use uh, a few of those uh, no-code no tools and uh, make it live. Make it something that you can really show as an interactive uh, deliverable, interactive asset uh, instead of screenshots of something imaginable. Um, and if you obviously, if you can get like cranked um, in like all the app stores, um, this would be even... Much better, I, I I'm sure. So, have you considered uh, going the route of um, almost uh, like self-sustained um, uh, developer who would be making money on uh, on creating apps? Yeah, it's something I've definitely
0: considered, and as I've been kind of evaluating my career path, my goals, um, I, I don't foresee that in the immediate future. Because there's still just so many experiences I want from working with teams, learning from others. Um, there is a lot of benefit, you know. If you go down the solo entrepreneur track or freelancer, now there's definitely a lot of pros and cons. I think one of the major cons is, you know, it's hard to learn from others in the sense that you don't have coworkers, you don't have teammates, you don't have a managers or leaders that can help you you know, build That's out true. your skill set and career, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's the benefit of, well, you are your own leader, you are your own boss. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, I I love collaborating with others. I love working in a tight knit team and I love learning from leaders and managers that inspire me. And, you know, even as a UX manager, I I still have a lot to learn. I still have a lot to grow. And so for the foreseeable future, I, you know, I want to still keep learning Um, being in teams that build me up. But then maybe, you know, 10, 20 years down the road, and I have considered the possibility of doing freelancing or consulting work. But right now, I've kind of looked at my career trajectory. I just really value being embedded on a team and working with others. And so that's where I kind of see myself
1: for the next while. It makes sense. Yeah, there are definitely different skill sets and, uh, learnings that, that you can acquire, uh, in, on both sides of this, I guess, spectrum, because yeah, you can be, I, you know, I think for some people,
0: you know, their career goals, you know, I want to be fi- like completely independent as soon as possible. And that's also great. That's kind of the beauty of building your own career is, you know, you decide what you want and then, you know, lay out the steps, create your own path to achieve that there's not really a right or wrong answer. It's just, you know, what do you want? What do you, what kind of life do you want to have? What kind of career, what kind of balance do you want with, you know, family and personal life and your work life? And then just kind of start building that out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Going back to this, it depends, hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of your current role, right? As a, as a manager, as a UX yeah. manager, uh, what's the biggest challenge you can think of like maybe like something that keeps you up at night or something that really maybe a frustrating part about being a UX manager. And how do you how are you trying to solve it? Or maybe you have solved it already. But if you have solved it, it wouldn't be bothering you anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there's definitely no shortage of challenges. And you know, we are in challenging times with the economy. A lot of companies are experiencing layoffs and you know, unfortunately, my company wasn't invincible from that either. The economy and you know, we're in the mortgage industry. And if anyone's followed the mortgage and real estate industry for the past few years, it's been crazy with interest rates and home values and home availability. And you know, market forces do impact your company. And unfortunately, that impacted part of our UX team. And I was recently reading the UX Collective. They released kind of a yearly trend report of um, the the trends they foresee in the future or what are happening. And one of the ones I identified is, you know, designers are being expected to do more with less. Um, I think a lot of designers are feeling that across different industries, across different companies. Um, You know, there's a lot of, demand and high expectations. And so, you know, it it can be difficult trying to manage those expectations. You know, there's a lot expected of your role, a lot of skills that you're expected to learn and to do. And you gotta, you know, balance that with um, your team morale, with how many members you have, with your resources available to execute um, what you need to execute on. And so that is something that, you know, that that is a reality. Almost every company is facing that. And, you know, it requires making some hard decisions there and just really trying to prioritize and focus on what matters most. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, If you ignore or at least for now ignore the current situation, like in the market, which is definitely impacting and ha- has been impacting so many different, so many companies around the world. Uh, besides that, any, any kind of biggest, I guess, problems that a UX manager faces?
0: Yeah, in terms of other challenge areas, um, You know, every company has their, their strengths and weaknesses, and often your responsibility as a manager is kind of identify where the areas were weak in, and what's our game plan to solve that. And so um, something that I've really been working on and pushing my company is with our data analytics and making data-informed decisions. And, you know, there's so much opportunity there, but change management is hard. It's hard getting you know, all of the software engineering organization and product management organization and UX design organization, getting everyone bought into, um, you know, implementing data analytic tools, identifying kind of your metrics and outcomes you're working towards. It's always a challenge to change your organization, change behavior, but it's well worth it. It's well worth the effort. And I think depending on the company, for some companies, it's their data analytics, for others, it's their user research process and operations. For others, it might just be lack of having a clear vision and strategy. And in in my time, I've worked in all these areas of just really kind of pushing the organization to adopt these important things and implement them. And, you know, it's hard doing these large-scale efforts but it's
1: always worth it and it's very fulfilling in my opinion yeah yeah transformation and like real change management is a huge pain point i I clearly recall how at one of the big companies i was when i was a part of they were trying to roll out like adobe analytics Mm -hmm. um sweet and like all the tagging and everything oh it was so painful there's like so much effort from so many (laughs) teams so definitely was a big big initiative but um as you are saying like long term it's definitely it's a good choice it's just really a matter of kind of of convincing the leadership who makes the decisions and like budget allocations all that stuff yeah prioritize this over some like 20 other things that are also hyper <laughs> so maybe you can maybe maybe you maybe you have some maybe tips and tricks how do you really push this this uh what, what's the term like rock stone up the hill how do you really find ways to convince leadership people who make decisions to to go and uh do this
0: yeah one of the most important key parts whether you're you know, you're trying to implement a design system or a research repository or analytic tools or you know whatever that uphill battle is you really need to identify um, the key people you know the key decision makers as well as the key influencers and I think those key influencers they're often people not in leadership but it might be a developer that the entire development team looks up to and you just know you know if that person gets bought into the design system, like all the other developers are going to follow because they respect that individual. They trust that individual, you know, it might be a senior developer or a principal engineer. Um, but it's really essential that you identify those key influencers um, and you get them bought in, you find those people that share your values who see the value proposition of the effort of solving the obstacle You get that initial support and then you start painting the picture of where you're at and where you want to be. So in the case of a design system, you know, maybe you audit your current product, here's what it looks like today. Here's all the inconsistencies. And then you show a glimpse of the future, the vision of here's what we could be like, here's, you know, how much money we could save if we were using these reusable components. Um, you know, painting the benefits, showing that future state. And then the most crucial part is coming up with a game plan to get there, Um, a strategy, a what's step one, what's step two, what's step three. And then once you've kind of taken that all together, you know, you have a business case, you have a vision, you have a strategy, you have a plan, you have where we're at, where we want to be. And often that's what leadership is looking for is, they want to understand the value, but they also want to know what's the game plan. How are we going to do this? How are we going to roll this out? And you know, these efforts are often not just you know they're not in a sprint. They're not a few weeks. They're they're often in like a year or two of because you, you know you can't just disrupt the entire current roadmap or current plans or yeah you know maybe you don't have the current hiring headcount, but you know you got to make the plan of how you're going to get there and that usually gets people excited when they see that
1: yeah yeah i think it's a good advice it reminds me i think i read something about similar approach of trying to influence leadership and decisions at a company uh there is a book articulating design decisions or design thinking uh one of the mm-hmm. kind of recommended books uh, from the i guess top 100 list or something And, uh, yeah, it was also kind of really uh, one of the tips that I remembered was that try to find people who who are influencers in in the company and uh, almost like, yeah, get them into into your camp before trying to pitch to kind of leadership. Because usually leadership, there are more like people managers and really kind of strategic thinkers. But for some, I guess, more uh, function-specific insights, they usually – rely on opinions of an expert in that function, right? Like as a, maybe principal engineer or maybe some design leader or something like this, and they would often really rely on their point of view and their buy-in uh, and trust them, obviously, if, if there's trust in the, in the team. So it's, it's very similar advice. I like it. Yeah, it's really good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one other thing I just want to emphasize is you don't have to be a senior designer or a manager to do this kind of stuff. Anyone in the organization can initiate change. I've seen interns do this where they come in, they see a problem, a gap, an opportunity, and they start rallying people together. They start painting that picture. They come up with a plan and strategy. You can be a junior designer and implement a design system or research repository you, know, you don't have to wait for leaders to do this. And ultimately, that's going to probably what propels you to end up becoming a leader in your career is, you know, you're not being asked to do this.
1: You're just going out of your way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's actually, to so speaking of interns, from, I guess, my limited experience, at least working close or at least observing how interns work, very often they actually bring really interesting perspectives uh, to, to a team. And they really identify problems that like lots of people just forgot about or just mm. um, just got used to, right? Like the, the way it works because it's so easy. Like especially when you're in this non-stop cycle of releases, features, releases, features, it's really easy to just kind of focus on that part of the of overall yes ecosystem. And then when somebody from the outside point of view comes in, especially when they have time, <laughs> that's like another component to this uh, in interns. Um, they, yeah, quite often I remember like really good, interesting, new, fresh ideas. Not all of them there were, I guess, they would go through the filter of uh, ROI and the impact <laughs> and if it's the right thing to do right now. So that's kind of a different conversation. But uh, the ideas are definitely there, like and definitely they have a, a un- not unique, maybe unique uh, perspective um, and uh, an eye for for problems. So yeah, and the really good point about you don't have to be in the senior position to to push a change like this. It may be a bit more challenging, I think, uh, if you don't have enough clout in the company, enough enough like trust and reputation. So you'll have to convince more folks in this hierarchy regardless of how many layers uh, a company has but it's still possible and I think uh, that's really totally right I agree with you that it's probably the best way to show to to your leadership or management team uh, that you can do this job at the next level and uh, consistently and uh, yeah it's like the next time they'll be thinking about um, somebody to take on like uh, maybe another project uh, that's maybe out of your current scope, uh, they may think about uh, of you and uh, there's another opportunity to grow and, uh, yeah, r- kind of market yourself as a, as a leader. That's good. Yeah, Love absolutely. it. Let's talk about the future of UX as a profession and uh, with all the recent, uh, I guess, time-saving, let's call them time-saving tools <laughs> for some activities. I'm curious to hear what's your opinion, What what are your thoughts on, how one can future-proof their, I guess, career, if they want to stay in UX, and how they can... Because there are lots of negative... And I'm talking about AI developments and, like, all this chat GPT stuff. Yeah. There are lots of... It's almost like two camps. So there's, like, optimists, technology optimists, and they think that this is almost like a, a calculator that will help you do some repetitive tasks faster, which... I probably kind of lean in that way a bit more. And there is another camp who are really pessimistic and really cautious about losing a job or like that it will replace a bunch of folks and professions and stuff, which I'm also <laughs> somewhat there. <laughs> I'm gonna kind of mix. Because I think like for some, especially if you think about UX design as a as a field, right? There are so many, especially with like larger companies, when they go into more specialized roles. Uh, Even five years ago, I was already seeing, I think uh, like one of the pivoting um, moments for me was there was an old demo from Airbnb design system team, I think. And um, I'll share with you if you haven't seen it. So the idea was that somebody was drawing just on a whiteboard, some layout of a page, very simple page with like some boxes, some circles, something, and then AI system that they built uh, in-house was analyzing kind of image recognition uh, technology on this whiteboard, recognizing the shapes and stuff and connecting it automatically to the design system components Mm. and compiling like the visual design of the page. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and it was like, what the hell at the time? Now it's obviously (laughs) kind of more more common and more advanced. But at that time I was already kind of, okay, so if we're going this route, which of those, I guess, subsections within the whole UX design profession will be kind of automated earlier, or at least kind of somewhat taken over for more simple, simple tasks earlier. And for for my conclusion was like the the later to the kind of delivery, like the visual design, like all this kind of the UI stuff would be easier, especially with that demo, obviously, would be first to be automated. Uh, and then like more kind of thinking and talking to people and really understanding the problem, like more like strategic work would be more, I guess, would be automated later. <laughs> At mm. least. Let's put it this way. Okay, so really long question <laughs> with some kind of my thoughts embedded here. But uh, curious to hear your thoughts on AI and how it will disrupt or help our our profession.
0: Yeah, I mean, AI is definitely the buzzword right now. I think chat GTP you know, they've really demonstrated to the world of, here's a working prototype, anyone can try it out. And, you know, now everyone's wondering like, oh, is Google gonna go out of business? Uh, Because, you know, what if this replaces engine search? And reality is Google already has an AI prototype that's even better than ChatGTP. They just just haven't released it publicly because there's still a lot of issues. Um, There's a lot of ethical issues, moral issues, plagiarism. Um, now I, I asked chat a question and it flat out gave me the wrong answer. And yeah, you know, the a kind of problem of, well, wh- where's it getting the, what are the sources?
1: <laughs> exactly. and, you know, there's still,
0: you still have to use critical thinking. You have to evaluate, and you, know, you can't just ask the internet a question, and believe everything you, you see and you hear, there's still critical thinking to evaluate, is that accurate? Is that a reliable source? What is that source coming from? And so, you know, there's definitely limitations. Um, That being said, like, I I am optimistic about the future of using artificial intelligence in the design process. I know the number one thing nobody enjoys is documentation. Um, Whether it's documentation for your design system, for your product, um, everywhere I go, every company is struggling with documentation. Documentation is always outdated, outdated. It's always missing okay. info, and just imagine a future where AI can do the documentation for us, or a future where AI can organize your research repository, make it easier for everyone else to find relevant research that's already been performed at your company. And you know, to your point of design systems, uh, the you know, if you're at a company that doesn't have a design system. It takes a lot of work to produce UI, because you're starting with a blank slate. you got to come up with all the colors and the styles and the rules. But if you're at a company that has a really robust design system and component library, and there's very um, helpful documentation on when do we use this component, when do we not use that. Well, one of the beauties of that is if, you know, you have this guideline and system of rules, then yeah, let's train an you know, AI to understand your design system and then spit out three different recommendations. And then you as a UX designer go in and fill the gaps of, well, here are the pros and cons. Let's go test this with users or, you know, this is part of the design system where we need to break the rules or we need to add a new rule Um, artificial intelligence is just gonna follow the rules that's been given. And there's still that critical thinking that needs to happen of did what it output or produce does that match the outcomes we want? And you know, I could probably dive on this topic for (laughs) it could go on and on about all the trends, but I am optimistic. I think it will empower designers and will empower people. As it grows, as we still put our critical thinking caps on, and we can use it as a tool to help us, um, so I am optimistic in that sense. At the same time, I, I still think you know it is a buzzword. It's a trend. It still has a ways to go. We're seeing a lot of the issues and shortcomings of it popping up everywhere. It still needs to be refined, and you know with any trend. And there's always trends in the design industry, whether it's visual design trends, whether it's tools. You know, we used to think sketch was the top leading tool, and then Figma came and replaced it. And you know, in a future day, Figma's gonna be replaced by another tool. There's always gonna be trends, things rising and falling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I always try to look for are the principles. I think a lot of principles in the design world don't change whether it's, you know, psychology and human behavior, or even the principles of what makes a good leader. You know, it's not a micromanager. It's not someone who criticizes others. It's someone who's positive, supportive, leads, inspires. And so when you look at all these things, you know, I I evaluate the principles of how can this new tool, this new trend technology, help me with the principles I believe in like not doing redundant or wasted work. How can it help me with that? How can it help me be more efficient? How can it help me serve my users better? Um, that's how I usually view trends is, you know match it to your principles and values, and then see if it can either, if it helps or hinders that. And, and just as always be open to change though. If you are not open to change, UX design is not the right career for you. Um, You know, imagine if someone with the rise of smartphones and mobile apps, someone said, like, no, this is just a trend, like, I'm never going to design for mobile. I mean, now everyone has a mobile phone with apps, Um, mobile responsive websites are important. So you have to be open to change, though, and to the trends, but also have your values and principles.
1: Yeah, speaking of change, actually, just maybe a couple of days ago, I was... Uh, I went to bed and I was thinking like, somehow, I don't know why, but but I recalled how somebody from my kind of parents, friends and they were like I think in the education space, like a traditional space, it was like a couple maybe 20 years ago and I clearly remember some, I don't know why, but it kind of stuck in my memory that they were going for uh, once a year, they would go for uh i think they called it like uh what's the term so some kind of uh, a a almost like a mini conference for mm-hmm. this profession where they learn new new stuff new kind of technologies new maybe programs new ideas and it was like once a year and i think like about the ux design space <laughs> <laughs> and like oh in general like the, the tech world right like it's almost like daily you have to learn something new and like you have <laughs> to keep keep up with this you cannot really wait till the next annual conference to go and like check it yeah. um, so and like obviously we have our own events so it's like a bit different um medium but for 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 some professions outside of tech it's it's like the pace of learning is definitely very very different so and i agree that uh you have to be ready for like almost like lifelong learning uh, course of sorts. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, if you want to be in UX or in tech in general, I, I agree. Uh, the way how I, I, I think I saw an interesting quote um, uh, on LinkedIn a few a few weeks ago, and I really liked like the I think almost like the mindset, especially like about learning and uh, trying to be more more open to the new ideas and new trends, even to try it, is it, 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 going like this. AI will not replace you, or will not will not take your job. Another person who uses AI will. <laughs> That's going kind of like really, yeah, changes your perspective. Really, kind of that you're almost like FOMO, like missing out on, on ignoring those trends. So it's almost, yeah. especially in our industry, um, it's better to, especially for something disruptive, uh, potentially disruptive like this. Um, it's definitely, yeah, waiting time is um, maybe not. not not to your advantage. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: you know, once again, as a UX designer, the majority of UX designers are working uh, on technology, on com- software, you know, mobile apps, websites. We're in the technology industry. There's constant innovation, there's constant change. And that is just kind of one of the realities of the job. Um, but once again, any innovation, any change, you know, it's ultimately just a tool. There's gonna be people that use that tool to essentially kind of destroy their own careers. I almost want to say, um because you know they might become too reliant on it. they're not gonna see the shortcomings of that innovation that tool, but then there's gonna be those who see okay, here's the pros and cons, and here's how I'm gonna maximize the pros and reduce the risk of the cons and so you know once again with AI like Yeah, it can be an amazing tool as long as you're still using that critical thinking. You're making sure you're not plagiarizing. You know, if it's just copying content out there on the internet and then pasting it, now you're copying and pasting that. um, You've essentially stole that from someone else without knowing it. So as long as you're just, you know, aware of the shortcomings and mitigating those risks, then yeah, you can use it in ways to elevate your career, elevate your skills. Um, But yeah, as always, you know, it takes that critical thinking. It takes, you have to be able to discern when to use it, when to not use it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, let's go to to the next next section of our um, conversation, which is related to more like tactical and maybe actually some strategic advice and tips on resumes, portfolios, like especially for you who who was a designer uh, yourself and now you're on the other side of this hiring, let's let's say relationship uh, as a hiring manager, right? So uh, maybe you can share some red flags, some do's and don'ts, um, pros and cons, all this stuff. Uh, especially during this time when more and more, very often more qualified folks are joining the, the job market and you're kind of competing with a bigger pool. So employers have more choice, right? Especially with all the layoffs and like thousands of people joining the already saturated uh, market, especially like for intermediate junior folks yeah um so maybe maybe you can yeah share advice on that um yeah
0: yeah the fun thing with resume advice and portfolio advice it's really hard to give because every hiring manager has their own opinions and you see these opinions battle it out on linkedin like should a resume only be one page or can it be more and, you know there's people that are passionate they'll passionately say i would never hire someone but the resume longer than one page. yes. And so, you know, there's always these extremes and that's what's so tricky with resume and portfolio advice. So usually the advice I give, I try to apply to the majority. Um, you know, well, what do the majority of managers agree with? Or um, it's really important to identify, you know, what are the types of companies I wanna be hired by and what is their perspective on this? You know, some companies really value formal education, others, they don't care how you got your education. They just care you have the skills. Um, All that being said, some of the things I've seen that really can help make an individual stand out is always focus on the outcomes and the impact. You know, for every portfolio project or resume bullet point, you know, think about what is the impact I had or the outcome. Um, of this skill I have or work that I did. and you know that can be a business outcome, that can be a team outcome, that can be an outcome for your users. but really try to measure that. Try to quantify that. Um, that will really help you stand out. Uh, the example I like to give is you know anyone can say I redesigned a landing page. You know any resume can have that bullet point. I designed a landing page. But if you really wanna stand out from the hundreds of resumes saying, yeah, I designed an app, I designed a landing page. Well, the ones that really stand out as they explain the so what. Now you you designed that so what, what impact did that have? Did that increase conversion rates or adoption? Did that, you know, how did that perform in usability testing? Or maybe you did a process or framework, you know, to our previous conversation of you help push for a design system, a research repository, you help your team adopt analytic tools. And what is the impact of that? How did that save people time? How did that make the company money? How did that help your team? How did that help your users? Um, you know, always just focus on the impact. Cause one of the hardest things for me as a hiring manager is, you know, I see a lot of resumes that say, yeah, I have skills in this, but then, you know, a, a junior, uh, an intern can say, I have skills in wireframing, and a principal designer could say the same thing, but then, you know, what's the difference? Both of them have the same skill, and I really want to know, how, how have you used that skill? What is your capacity in that skill? How competent are you, and what changes in the world have you made using that skill? That's one of just my biggest recommendations. If you want to stand out in this crowded market, really focus on the impact of your skills of your case studies of everything you do and always be trying to measure that, try to quantify that, try to capture that and then figure out how to clearly communicate that to the recruiter, to the hiring manager. So those are
1: almost always the ones that are going to stand out sounds good how about uh, maybe job search strategies to to get through this phase especially during like again overwhelming number of applications for jobs for fewer number of jobs right yeah uh, how would you really approach job search process today
0: yeah one of the principles i'm a strong believer in is networking um A lot of people have different opinions on what networking means or what it is personally for me, networking has always been less about me asking others for help and more so me giving to communities, me building relationships. Um, and so I've always just, I would just highly recommend to anyone, you know, make sure you're networking, but remember networking is less about, um, Others giving stuff to you, but more about what are you giving to others? And that's a part of the reason why, you know, we mentioned before, I volunteer in so many different communities. Through that volunteer work, through building those relationships, I've really been able to build a big network, a big community. And, you know, that network can be so powerful in helping you get that next job or helping you identify those job opportunities that haven't even been published yet. Um, But the company internally knows, yeah, we're getting ready to hire for this role and you want them to think of you, you want your name, your face to pop up in their minds, or, you know, if they share that in one of those communities, you want to be the first person to be ready, be available to meet that need for them. Um, You know, blindly applying to job postings, it's really tough. I see a lot of designers say, I applied to 100 job postings, never heard back. And that really is hard. It's demoralizing. But meanwhile, you see other people, of, well, I networked and I only needed to apply to three and I got one. And, you know, there's just much more effective strategies and ways going about this. And a lot of it does come down to relationships and networking and standing out there.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I was giving kind of similar advice even before the layoffs when mm-hmm. the market was super hot because even then, especially for uh, like first first job, second job, uh, like early early in their career, the market was so I guess unbalanced, right like yeah. the, 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 the pool of candidates. That like there is such a huge number of them, especially coming from all the boot camps and all the shorter programs. Uh, so just like, like pumping them, like every every day somebody was another cohort, another cohort of of new new joiners. But uh, it's like it's the opposite on the other side of the spectrum, like on the on the seniority level scale. Yeah. So, and even then, like I was really kind of yeah, like applying to just hundreds of jobs per week is. Is almost the not the best ROI on your time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, uh, thinking from like the network networking um, comment that that you made on really building these relationships and not just uh, sending a call message on LinkedIn asking to 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 refer me um, is definitely a more longer term thinking uh, about multi year, almost like potentially for life um relationship building with with um, potentially influence like people who may become influential in the future even if they are kind of uh, have a limited role today uh, so and it's kind of almost like this compound interest right the concept for yeah. from the financial world when it's not like one-off but it's really kind of you are giving back and like it's almost you can kind if of you grow your karma uh, um, in the industry in the community uh, and uh, yeah, I believe it will pay off like uh, it's like you don't have to wait for this and you don't have to do it like on purpose just for that. But uh, my belief is like the more good you do to the world, uh, the world will give back to you. Like it's almost like you, you give first and then the world will, 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 um, will respond uh, with what you almost like invested in, like with your time with yeah. your potential introductions connections value that you brought to somebody so i think yeah it's definitely an amazing advice and yeah applying like it's i've been in shoes like early in the career even when i was applying for jobs maybe 10 years ago i was really going through like uh, applying to what whatever was posted on on job boards on like indeed even craigslist uh, was uh, still alive at that point for jobs <laughs> and it was definitely demoralizing when you just week after week, there is like, like one response or then like ghosting and uh, it was, yeah, definitely painful, painful phase. And I think now it's even worse like with yeah. uh, especially companies trying to um, account for the increased number of applications by introducing more and more automated tools, right, uh, to filter, to screen, to just kind of automatically reject candidates. Just because they don't have enough human power to um, to review each single resume. Or the quality of, of these, I guess, checks goes to like from five seconds to one second. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't see any numbers in the accomplishments, <laughs> like the next one, next one. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah and once again, it goes back to my earlier principle of you know, I, I mentioned I'm always experimenting. I'm always, you know, trying to find what works, whether and I, I recommend that advice also to anyone out there. If you've been applying to multiple positions and you're not hearing back, um, you know, nothing's working out. Well, you know, okay, go on ADP list, book five different sessions with specific, you know, with designers from those companies you applied to, or just, you know, any designers that you think um, could be qualified to give you feedback and then, you know, get feedback on your resume, on your portfolio, you know, have an open mind. You're probably going to hear some things that are hard, some things <laughs> you don't want to hear. Like, yeah, you're bringing your napkins. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it's going to be hard, but I, I would rather do that than just keep applying and not having success. You know, you kind of need to reach a point where, okay, this experiment's not working. Let's open up the feedback loop. You know, I can book five people on the ADP list right now, in one or two weeks, have 30-minute session with each of them, get their honest feedback. Now let's act on that feedback, and let's experiment again. Let's apply with that new resume, that new case study. You, know, you, just, you have to have those feedback loops and iterate. And we tell designers that all the time. You should be iterating on what you're building <laughs> for your users. You also got to be iterating on yourself and accepting feedback and um, improving there and you you'll get more it's it's still going to be hard it's not going to be easy um but you'll get more
1: momentum you'll start getting the right trajectory you need exactly it's almost like it could be even like a, a soft nudge that will push you in the right direction to maybe change something in the resume or even like the way how you 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 write emails in the follow-ups to the interview so like it's yeah yeah i really like the idea of of like really iteration and the lean startup of, of you, so to say, when, or like your job search, when you try, like almost like run a prototype of source, like some kind of limited time frame experiment and evaluate results, analyze if it works, if it doesn't, if it doesn't change something and like so on. Like it's almost like going through this uh, iteration process. I love yeah. it. Awesome. One last question. Uh, if money wasn't a question for you, it, if, it, if you didn't have to worry about money, uh, what would you do? Oh, that's a good question. I,
0: I've wondered that about that a few times because sometimes my answer's been, well, I'd, I'd keep doing UX design because I, I love this discipline so much. Um, but, you know, I do have hobbies. You know, we've been talking a lot about work-related things. And one thing I do want to make clear is, you know, I volunteer in a lot of these groups and do a lot of these extracurricular things. But I'm also just as proactive of balancing that with my hobbies, with my family, with my personal life and mental health. Um, One of my recent hobbies has been miniature toy photography. And so (laughs) basically, you know, one example is my wife and I went to Alaska, um, which is just a beautiful giant place with um, lots of nature. And I just got little toy dinosaurs and like place them around and you take the right angle with a picture and it looks like a life size dinosaur with a scenic landscape. Or, um, that's been a fun hobby. And I don't know, maybe I would just do that all the time, but
1: no, uh, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay, hearing how you like to experiment and uh, really, yeah, it, it feels like that you'll be more into teaching and, uh, something more kind of contributing back. It feels like you're, <laughs> you're, Really passionate about this uh, kind of giving back and helping others grow, especially as I also like UX manager right now. Uh, I think yeah. of, um, uh, contributes to that passion. Yeah, helps. Awesome. Okay, so last question before we wrap up, uh, because you're so active on all the platforms, where yeah. can people go and find you and um, potentially follow up and maybe ask more questions?
0: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm active on a lot of platforms. The one I'm most active on is LinkedIn. So if anyone, um, yeah, especially if anyone has kind of follow-up questions, you're listening to this and maybe something wasn't clear or you want to ask me something then yeah, just reach out to me on LinkedIn, send a message to me. I'm always happy to chat. I'm always happy to help answer questions. Um, Or if you just want to follow me for more insights, that's, it's the one I'm the most active on. So
1: yeah sounds good awesome and i'll include the links um in the show notes as well okay that's uh, that's it for today it was uh, yeah really really interesting and packed with uh, with valuable and actionable insights um and advice thank you mitch thanks for coming and thanks for sharing your lessons learned and uh, lesson lessons learned and your takeaways from your career yeah thanks for the opportunity it was a pleasure yeah i loved it awesome <laughs>